internet, Mike and Andy here, and um, let me let me give you a weather update. I know you're absolutely dying to hear about the uh, the weather in Ohio, uh, but it makes me question um, my salvation. It makes me question um, uh, pretty much everything. Uh, this weather, so it's wow. today. I know today it's mid fifties. We got some rain. Hey. All right. Yeah. 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 I actually saw it's about to get a lot worse. I supposedly yeah, oh, the storm yeah, nope, that left us nope. is supposed to annihilate you. Here guys. we go. Here we go. All right. So uh, tomorrow, so we o- we'll open the day at forty nine, and then and then quickly drift down to fifteen. Okay. And then the lows for the next four days are like seven, 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 two, uh, oh. five. Okay. So so it's fifty. And it's warm. I mean, Hannah and I went to our gym. We had short sleeves and shorts on because 50s out here, Yeah, you know, is like balmy. It's, it's summer weather. Get in the lake. Oh, my goodness. But, I mean, this is this is insane. But, and I know, I know people want to know. I know they want to know. The Ohio, the Midwesterners and the Canadians that listen to our podcast, this, <laughs> they just are like, well, so what? This is winter. This, this is what it does. Yeah. But see... My memory of winter and the actual experience of winter are turning out to be two different things. Oh, my goodness. See, that's the issue. I mean, I knew I was coming back to winter. Of course, I knew. Oh, dang. But yeah. I was promised. I was promised Columbus was milder oh my than goodness. where I grew up. Yeah, and I, I'm getting a whole, a total juke here, too, because I'm traveling out to Chattanooga this weekend. And, and when I checked earlier this week, it was like, oh, yeah, it's supposed to be in the like you know mid-50s. Now it's saying the high is 34 37 and then 46 Saturday through Sunday. That's right. So that's, that's a right. different story. That's right. And the and the California people listening to this are just like, well, you're an idiot. Who cares? So you get <laughs> you get what you deserve. Yeah, that's true. We have mudslides. Yeah, we get uh, mudslides and droughts. <laughs> and right, fire. and fires. Yeah. Oh, so bless you Andy. So I hope you're just nice and warm. Um <laughs> I, I've got a I've got to stack up on water and powdered milk. Um <laughs> Because who knows? We have an ice storm coming. <laughs> Powdered milk. Gross. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. <laughs> it is. I'm sure it, it is. It used to be a thing. So wow. anyway, my friend, are you well? You know, I'm actually pretty good. Went to uh, went to therapy this morning. You know, had a had a day of, you know, just... Physical therapy? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Marriage therapy. Oh, oh <laughs> Yes. Awesome. Naturally, every time I come out of therapy, whether it's just by myself or whether I bring Mercedes, I'm always just kind of sensey for the rest of the day. Yep. Yep. So Uh, anyhow, but I'm good. All right. So are you an otter, a lion, a beaver, or a golden retriever? Ooh. Well, immediately I'm going to go with lion, but unfortunately that's astronomically related. Granted that I'm a Leo. So it's kind of... That's I just false. drift towards that, so I, I don't I don't know exactly what those metaphors are in your okay. context. It, I don't know. It was old school marriage counseling. <laughs> so no, my marriage I, counselor is all about neurology. So naturally, I just click in and oh, nerd nice. out on everything he gives me. So oh sure, sure. <laughs> and Mercedes loves it, I'm sure. Oh yeah. I don't care about your freaking neurons. Yeah, your stupid brain. Just do something. Right. Do just something do right. something. Right. <laughs> All right, Andy. There's there's so much to be outraged about right now. I know. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, and again, I mean, we've we've talked about you know perpetual outrage and how damaging that is. 
but it's really funny. I mean, this is like the first week of January. Yeah. And it's insane. We're warming up. It is. It's it a is, warm up. Oh, it is absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, so I, I want to try to get to two things uh, on this episode. We may not. The first one may take the whole time. Okay. Um, uh, the, the second one... <laughs> <laughs> the second one is a beautiful article um written by one of our one of our wonderfully Calvinist brothers oh, no. saying that doubt is slander against the Almighty. Oh, okay. Jesus Thank died you. to save you from doubt, not to make space for it. Oh good. So so that's um that's good. I'm I'm hoping that my tweet about that is what inspired you. <laughs> I, I missed I missed that. You did, I yeah. That. What did oh you, yeah, what I did jumped on that. I thought that was just straight BS. So, <laughs> well, it's very it, it's it seems very ungracious. But but yes. before we get to that, we have this kind of breaking news Memphis thing happening. Yeah, where where and 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 I'm coming late to this party, so I don't even I'm not even sure of some of the details. I've just seen it blow up because Newsweek's covering it, New York Times covered it, Washington Post covered it, but it started with a couple of like female bloggers mm -hmm. who started digging some stuff up. But but evidently, um, there was a teaching pastor. He's 37 who admitted to having a uh, sexual incident with uh, a young lady when she was 17, and he was 20, I think. Yeah, something like that. Uh, um, he was like on staff at a church. He, uh, she was 17. Mm -hmm. Her account is that he took her to a remote area and forced her to do some things um that uh, that she was very very uncomfortable with right so her account is an account of sexual assault right um so so this sorts of this thing kind of starts percolating last week and uh, and then the teaching pastor and the head pastor of this specific church uh, the teaching pastor says yep he was involved in a sexual incident and that at the time, uh, and you can, it's all over, you know, Twitter. I mean, you can see his apology and, and, um, you know, and he says that, you know, he immediately regretted what had happened. He apologized to her, her family. He went to his church. He confessed. He went to, you know, therapy. I mean, he did this whole kind of big thing. And the current church he works for, I think, um, knew about this. Uh, but he was he he was last Sunday confessing kind of this before um, before the uh, the congregation and the congregation evidently gave him uh, after his confession and asked for forgiveness gave him a twenty second standing ovation. So obviously after the Golden Globes and all that was you know going on there um, and in our current um, sensitivity to an awareness of uh sexual assaults kind of environment mm -hmm. you know this is this is about as ugly a thing as uh as we can get into and so i want to i want to read some parts out of the washington post article um and then we want to we want to just talk a little bit about how how churches maybe can handle this stuff mm. um it, it's tough for two reasons. Number one, I don't know all the specifics. And so it's, it's tough to make, you know, harsh, terribly harsh judgments. Right. Um, on the face of it, it looks awful. Um, but, but, you know, I've been a part of some of these things. 
mm. uh, on the church leadership side, not not a crime, not a sexual assault issue, but you know, infidelity or um, other moral failure, inappropriate relationships. Um, and and there's a there's a sense that um, the story ends up being invariably more complicated. Yeah. Than what you share with everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I want to just talk a little bit about it because it's kind of blown up. Um, and, and then talk about how, you know, maybe we can think about some of these things. And, and I'm not, I, I don't mean in any way to set myself up as judge and jury for this church or this individual, because mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I'm, I'm, you know, pretty major sinner myself. And so, yeah. um, you know, the biggest sinner in the room, I'm alone, but I'm still the biggest sinner in the room. Even if, sure, even if my wife were in here, it barely mm-hmm. would I be the biggest sinner, but it would still be me, <laughs> but it'd be, it'd be close. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, I mean, because yeah, because the big question. I mean, I think one of the big lingering questions out there is, well, what, what do you do with the bigger, the clearly the biggest sinner in the room? I mean, if that's the case too, what are we, you know, how are we dealing with right. that? And then when we're when we're faced up against um, laws of the land, so to speak, you know, and yep. that's happening, yep. then then what do we do too? Yep. Like, when do we actually call for, you know, protection and for like, well, let's kind of let's let's let allegations play out and let's take this thing, you know, to where it goes. So I, anyhow, go on. That's, that's right. All out there. So you have so you have two churches. You have the church that originally was involved where he had done this he and he says he went to them um and however that church handled it and then you have his current church where he is serving and how they handle it so so those are two different journeys mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. about okay th- did they know and uh they backed him publicly um in the face of all of this um and then the original church how do you handle you know something like that. So, so let me uh, let me read some of the some of the Washington Post article. Um, a Memphis congregation's response to reports that a pastor sexually assaulted a woman when he was a when she excuse me was a teenager is forcing some evangelicals into their own Me Too moment. Um, a young lady posted a detailed allegation that her then pastor assaulted her, sexually assaulted her as a teenager. Um, and, and in the message on the church's website, the pastor admitted to a sexual incident with that high school student, uh, but did not name her specifically. Um, they, the article then repeats the allegations, which I won't repeat because they're unsavory. Um, uh, yet, and this is the post again, yet instead of following the course of so many recent sexual harassment scandals, reports that have toppled career, careers in Hollywood media and politics, the pastor's public outing seems not to have upset his position. Um, and, then, and then quotes from the pastor's apology uh, that he was deeply sorry he could have done more for the victim. Um and then, and then the the post reports his remarks were followed by a twenty second standing ovation. Um, as conversations about sexual assault have overtaken politics, Hollywood, the news media, some Christians worry that the issue is not a priority within evangelical circles. Mm. Um, uh, Kately Beatty, uh, uh, editor today, she's someone I follow on Twitter actually. 
uh, tweeted that the emphasis on forgiving men in positions of power prevents evangelical efforts to combat combat sexual assault. (laughs) This is from a a tweet she wrote. uh, Two themes here highlight why we don't we won't see a me too outing in evangelical circles Hmm. sexual abuse is framed number one sexual abuse is framed as individual sexual sin and not also a crime and number two the quickness to forgive male perpetrators who retain control of the story in the church community so those two issues, the fact that it's framed as a sin, an individual sin and not a crime, and secondly, uh, that um, uh, we, because we are people of forgiveness, um, we re- re- you know, forgive the people who stay in control of the story. Mm. So um, uh, a Pew Research poll suggests the majority of Christians take sexual assault seriously, um, when surveyed, 65% of white evangelicals said the issue of sexual assault and harassment is very important. 24% said it was somewhat important. But, but, here, but here again, then here comes the Trump and the Moore, Roy Moore issue. But white evangelical voters' recent support for various politicians facing sexual assault allegations have led some within their community to express concern about how things are being handled. Uh, Despite President Trump facing more than a dozen accusations of sexual assault, the majority of white evangelicals can you approve of him, with one faith leader going so far as to call him uh, the evangelicals' dream president. Uh, And more recently, white evangelicals overwhelmingly backed former Judge Roy Moore in his race for the Senate, and uh, after several women accused the conservative Christian of sexual misconduct with them when they were teenagers and he was in his 30s. Hmm. Um, During that race, one Christian author... Uh, said that evangelicals' ongoing support of politicians and public figures facing allegations of sexual assault suggests that tribalism is what is most important. Uh, We would call that the siege mentality, a term uh, we took from David Brooks. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Let's see. The the victim said uh, to a news outlet, Memphis's Action 5 News, that his apology, the pastor's apology, wasn't enough because, number one, he's lying about how he handled it. He never came to me. The church told him he couldn't talk to me and told me I couldn't talk to him. And then the pastor did not respond immediately to a request for a comment. All right, so that's mm. that's the summary of the article. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, again, man, I, I feel so... I, I, I want to use this. I, I don't... Uh, on the face of it, this looks hor- horrific, right? I mean, th- uh, there's that word again because of the weather, horrific. <laughs> um, on the face of it, this looks, I mean, this looks unbelievable. A- a- and it's what we pointed out with Roy Moore, and it's what we've pointed out with Trump. I mean, w- when you put partisanship over character, uh, when you've been the character people for so long, right, you erode any sort of moral authority to speak into uh, issues in the greater culture. And so this just furthers that narrative on the face of it, mm-hmm. um, particularly a, a 22nd ovation. And I get that. And, 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 and I've read some comments, you know, like, well, why did she wait, you know, 20 years to say something and, and aren't we supposed to forgive? And so, so I want to, I want to, I, I want to just give some thoughts, not that I'm in any way qualified uh, to give thoughts, but to to kind of give maybe um, a slightly different perspective uh, on a couple of things. Make sense? Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Let's Did go. Did I wake you up? 
Did I wake you up? Let's go. (laughs) So, so a huge point is there's a difference between a sin and a crime. Mm -hmm. Not all things that the Bible talks about as sin are considered crimes legally, Mm -hmm. right? Pride. Yeah. Um, Right. Lust, um, you know, whether it's pornography or whatever, um, you know, that's not obviously child pornography. I mean, there, there are examples of things the Bible clearly rules out that uh, aren't crimes in the greater society, right? Right. Even, yeah, in some, uh, and on the flip side of that, even sharing the gospel in some places is a crime. <laughs> and, right. And obviously, and it's not a sin, you know, so right. that's the exactly. flip side of that same idea. Perfect. Perfect example. Yes. So it works both ways. Right. Um. So, so when there are sins in the community, and particularly the sins of leaders, um, there, there, there is this process of restoration and confession, and um, that that you know I've I've seen uh, I've undergone a mini version of that myself. Um, for you know nothing nearly as dramatic as any of these things, of course. But when I was uh, much younger, I was involved. Uh, with a young lady and transgressing boundaries that weren't okay, and um, and went you know to my church leadership and said, "Hey, I'm really struggling in this area," and they were incredible, and they were they they helped me work through just a whole bunch of stuff. So so there is a place in the church because we're people of grace and forgiveness, because we're people of renewal and hope, right? There there has to be a place in the church community where restoration happens right mm-hmm. now the negative word for that is called church discipline right and the idea is that uh people can come under the discipline of the community for certain egregious consistent um unrepented of sins and there's an example in first corinthians 5 of somebody that was so egregious that paul you know recommended the community just excise them from the from the community altogether in the hope that this person would wake up and come to their senses mm-hmm. Um, so, so a part of a healthy community in the same way, a part of a healthy family has this, this part, this church discipline, this idea of restoration, um, uh, particularly for leadership, but, but, um, you know, in big mega churches, it's tough because, you know, you, you've got thousands of coming in and thousands leaving and you have no idea what's happening. Yeah. So people typically restrict the practice of this to kind of high level leaders or high level volunteers or whatever. But there's a difference between that, which I'm a huge fan of, because the Bible is full of people who, you know, are restored. I mean, Peter denies Jesus three times and, you know, 50 days later, he's restored right. uh, to his ministry. Um, Paul's murdering Christians. Um, Abraham, you know, cheats um, <laughs> and lies to Pharaoh about his wife. You know, Jacob is a manipulator. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you have these... You have this 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 glorious realism to the Bible where, okay, yeah, we are sinners. It doesn't surprise us that there's darkness, right? We we because we believe in sin, we're not surprised. Yeah. So of course we're people of restoration and people of grace. But there is a sense that that grace comes um, as repentance is embraced. And repentance, of course, Paul distinguishes between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Um, worldly sorrow is, you know, be fearful of the consequences, which we all are when we sin, of course. 
But if that's all it is, then that's worldly sorrow, which leads to death. Mm -hmm. Um, Godly sorrow is something that leads to repentance. It's the conviction of the spirit. It's the... Um, it's the, uh, the work of God to wake us up to what it is that we're doing. And, um, in, in those cases, when there is repentance, uh, the church practices restoration. So I have no problem with a community saying, Hey, this person has sinned. They are a part of our community. We will love them into their future. They must demonstrate the fruit of repentance. Uh, they must live within these certain boundaries. I mean, all of that is up to wisdom, you know, discretion, discernment. Now, I say all of that to say when it's a crime, that that's an entirely different category. Yeah. So I don't know what the church did, the original church with this issue, because that's when it should have been handled, right? Right. The original church, and, and again, I, I have no idea who, and I'm not casting judgment because I don't know. I have no idea what was said or what was not. I'm just saying from the outside, if, if the police were not consulted, if this woman was not interviewed and protected and, um, and you know, if she was, if she was shamed or told to be silent, you know, for mm-hmm. the sake of the reputation of the church, yes. I mean, all of that is egregious. Yeah, absolutely. All, all of that is, that is awful. Should the police have been called? A- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, in, in churches, at least, uh, in California, I'm, I'm sure it's the same in Ohio. We were mandatory reporters. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't have a choice. Clergy right. privilege does not protect, um, the, against the reporting of crimes. Right. Mm, I mean, so, right. so absolutely. So, so however, this early church, and again, I've, I, I don't know, and I'm not saying anything specific about them cause I don't know, but you would have thought that if this indeed were assault, that the young lady would have been believed if indeed this pastor, um, confessed what he had done, then the, um, outside of dealing with the sin issue, um, you know, the, the young lady they quoted, um, is absolutely right. It's a crime. And, um, and you, you have to, you have to take sexual assault unbelievably seriously. Now I, I can hear responses from people who will say, well, you know, why'd she wait 20 years? Um, uh, you know, it's, 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 um, there are, the world is full of false accusations and, mm-hmm. you know, people can be brought down, but obviously he confessed to something and still has. Right. So, so, you know, well, you know, what's interesting to me is that women who are coming out now about things that have happened X amount of years ago, outside of celebrities, I don't see many of them gaining some form of individual power by doing it, you know, right. as, as if it's like, that agenda is like, well, they're just trying to get this attention that they need, or this is going to help them expand their social media account. Or, you know, I mean, you could say right. those things, but at the end of the day, you're kind of like, it's kind of how what we've talked about in the Bible, where when we look at these circumstances that play out through different characters, it's like, there's no reason that you would bring attention to that because in that day and age, that would be a shameful thing. Like, why would right. we look at, you know, take honoring these things now when back then, like people would be killed for that. I mean, there's there's some of that to me, at least when I read some of this stuff, then I'm like, there's nothing to gain here for this young girl who's bringing this out into the light. Like, I, you know, I, I don't and obviously all details aside, I mean, we're only we're just reading things and trying to understand things as they kind of surface this way. But I, I have to be- feel like in some sense that 
because more, you know, like it is, because more women are speaking out about a lot of this stuff, there's this sense of safety that's in it. The same idea that it's like when a community is created in which, you know, certain things can be confessed that were previously shameful and or dangerous and harmful to oneself, now it feels like if I have a place I can voice this, and at least now I right. feel like the truth is out. Right. Right. And so, I mean, that to me seems like the overall narrative of so many women that have come forward to talk about the I mean, this is this is some, you know, I say, quote unquote, random because it is for us some random teaching pastor in Memphis that's now being outed by some girl who we pretty much have no idea is. And it, obviously it's gotten national notice now. Yeah. So I this isn't, you know, between I could on a second level, taking it past celebrity attention, I, to me, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't blame her. I under, I could, I can kind of see at least some reason to be like, oh, why, why would she wait so long to come out and talk about this? It's just like, come on. I mean, how, how long have we been suppressing, you know, female voices in the church? You know, it's like, are we, are we really that surprised? You know, and it's, that's, <laughs> yeah, but, the, but people would say, well, maybe she's angry and vindictive. She just wants to get revenge on him. Maybe she. Um, but then wants I'd ask attention. the question. But then I'd ask the question. But why? Why do you feel that way? What happened to you that would even spawn that type of? I mean, that's going to tell a story. The second you start asking those questions, though, it's going to pin back to something. And great right. if it all comes out that it's like it was a fraud. I mean, the, then the truth would be known. You know, I mean, right. if you're going right. to get this well, much that, public attention, it's obviously not. It's obviously not that because yeah. he's confessed to something. Right. And, and so, I mean, maybe, maybe the, the early church, you know, the, 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 the earliest church with First this church, guy, right. um, maybe they, because they saw he was repentant, maybe they didn't want to, you know, ruin his career or whatever as okay. a sexual, um, or you know, life. What, what, yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> right. mean, maybe, maybe that was their thinking. Maybe it was like, well, sure. this was an honest mistake. I mean, I, I can't. I can't speak to whatever judgment was made there, but, um, but, but it does seem like if this, if what, how she describes it, if that's how it happened, right. Then, then that is, that is, that is a really damaging move to not have brought the police in. To yes. That. Yes. And, and then to have this come out 20 years later and, you know, I, I, I I'm not sure why the congregation was clapping, Certainly, a twenty-minute standing ovation would not have been given to the woman. Yeah, well, because at the end could... of it, he's probably just like, and you know what? Because under the power of the Holy Spirit and through Jesus Christ, no, um, we no, can... <laughs> you can watch it. He didn't do that. He didn't okay. do that. Right. He he just he just he said over twenty years ago, um, when I was a college pastor, you know, this happened, and I want to ask your forgiveness, and here's how I handled it then, and yeah, and I mean, you know, his apologies go. Uh, it was fine. Sure. But, um, and, and I'm sure the church wanted to support him. But, you know, the question is, of course, if if they had brought the woman up yeah. front and she'd shared her side of the story, uh, would, would she have gotten the same 20-second standing ovation, you know? Right. Um, and, and, and that's that's precisely the point, the power differential. Yes. You know, was it was, it wasn't, it was big then, but it's even bigger now. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I thought, you know, I, I really thought, um, the church, if, if the, the, I mean, and this is the thing that's so irritating, Andy, we're just, there's no moral authority on Jack squat, right? Not that we, <laughs> not that we thought we ever had some, but man, our own house is so dirty, um, that mm. we can hardly speak on anything, 
And it just breaks my heart that, um, because th- I can only imagine the number of people who haven't spoken out, who've been abused by right. clergy. Yeah. 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 You know, and have been told to be silent and told they're sinning mm. by, or told it was their fault or, you know, you just see the toxicity of some of the religious subculture and, and you just grieve it like crazy. And, uh, it's so, it's not only hurt all these, all these men and women who've been abused, Mm -hmm. but it is so compromised our, our witness to the world. And, um, you know, so you get a headline that's like, Hey, uh, church claps for pastor who, uh, sexually assaulted a teenager. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, Oh my Lord. Yeah. Oh, and then and then of course that's lumped in with the support for Roy Moore and and uh, President Trump, and you know then you have the you then you have the narrative right. I mean we right. just care more about power, um, and 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 often this is done in the name of reputation, right? The reason we don't want we don't want this spilling over to the police is because we've we got to protect our reputation. And, um, and we see the fruit of how damaging that is, right? Because our reputation would be much more enhanced by being honest um, and, and coming forward and, you know, whatever else. Right. I know. Like, where – okay, there was a movie – was it Traffic? When um, Benicio Del Toro – do you remember that movie? Uh, I he, remember like, the movie Traffic. I have no idea what scene you're talking I, about. I think it, if it – is it Traffic? It's around that same time where it's not 20 – it's – uh, or maybe it's twenty one grams, but there is um this movie <laughs> with Benic- yeah there's Benicio with Benicio del Toro in it, and he's a pastor, he's like a, a Catholic priest, right? And he oh, hits, I've never he, seen this. Yeah, he hits someone in his car and he kills him, and then he like goes on for a while like living in the guilt of like having done this kind of thing, right? And you know at the end of the movie, it's like he finally like basically self confesses, like ends up like you know claim you know confessing that he did this. Ends up like he's like I have to pay my time, and his fan, his his wife, and his his he has a couple young kids, and she's just like you can't go to the police, you can't confess, and but he's so burdened by the moral conviction of like I've killed somebody, like I have to like I can't live with myself, you know, unless I like kind of bring about just what the you know the the normal like. <laughs> The narrative right. for justice, it's just like there's – I mean there's – it's its one of those movies where there's four other stories going on at the same time and this is like one story that's happening. Yeah. And, yeah. Because, and it's kind of the redemption story out of all the four that shows this crazy picture of like this guy who goes through this thing and then ends up like being so convicted by it that he actually like goes to the police and confesses what he's done because he's like, I, mu- I have to confess my sin. You know, just right. sitting in that, even though it will cost him, you know, the separation from his family and all of these things. And you, you're you kind of like you, – you actually understand the complexity of this moral divide because you're like, well, do you hide it? And then you, you, you take care of your wife and your kid for the rest of your life and you live with this thing. Or do, or do you confess and go to the police and hope for grace and justice and whatever pans out next? Right. You know, I, I mean it's just – that's just such a fascinating – kind of circumstance because when you look at this the natural thing was he was okay let's presume that if he went to this first church and confessed and said because the first article i read was like he went to the first church and their move was like protection like in that she was barred from being talked to like he ignored her he didn't talk to her like they quickly kind of silenced her and so but then again it's like this guy if that if that's true then he lived with that you know, and then he moved forward with that. Like, what's and but then to the fact that he then still goes and confesses this actually happened. 
I don't. Yeah, it's it's just this line between a crime and then a sin. But it's like there's more margin within like the evangelical church of well, is it really a crime or is it a sin? In Alabama, you can marry a 14 year old, so technically, like the age differential doesn't play as much of a role. I mean, it's like, oh man, that is just such a mess, you yeah. know? And yeah. um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy, I'm, uh, this pastor. I mean, I put myself in his situation, and he's got a, probably a family and kids. And you know, for for him, he he confessed. He told the proper authorities, at least in his mind, he did the. He wasn't carrying it around in the same way Benicio was, right? Because he went to his church. He told people. Now, I don't know if he told them the truth. I don't know if he told them what was accurate. I have no yeah. idea. Um, but, but you just go, oh my goodness, you know, and, and, and there's no resolution to this. I mean, how do we, how do we even get to the place where you can say, you know, one thing or the other, other than, um, okay. What about Paul's example though? So, you know, no one would make the case that Paul teaching the gospel was going around sinning. Right. But because of what he was doing, he was constantly thrown in jail. Right. And, he, and he took on, okay, I'm going to go to prison because this is, these are the things that I'm doing. But right. abides by the law of the land, even though he knows what he's doing in the eyes of God is, is perfectly okay. Yeah. Right? So he, he lives with the consequence of understanding, like, yeah, I'm a, I am actually confessing to the fact that I'm breaking the law. But I'm willing to, like, do that because of the, the other side of that. It's like, these are laws of the land. If I have to pay the justice for that, then fine, I will pay that. But recognizing that what I'm actually doing is not a sin before God. Right. You know, so it's like, I mean, that's, right, right. you know, that to me is the moral opposite of what well, this Paul, is. Yes, Paul even says, Paul has this incredible thing in First Corinthians where there are lawsuits being leveled by believers against believers, I think. Right. And and he says, why why would you take this in front of non-believers? Why not? Wouldn't you rather be wronged than yeah. to bring the name of Christ disgrace? Right. Yes. I mean, that to me, that's that's what I've thought about in all of this. Because I'm like, okay, he's actually confessing this happened. He's saying, yes, yeah, she was underage and I was overage. Black and white, even in the state of uh, Tennessee, wait, what's it, Texas? Which Memphis is it? I couldn't uh, remember. I, I think it's Texas. Even in that state, if like if it's a crime, then then that's exactly what we're talking about. Like he's right. dragging the church into this circumstance in which – if if what it is is true, she's underage and he's overage, and this circumstance happened this way, then that's exactly what he's doing, you know. So I just it just seems baffling to me that I don't know. It's it's a it's and the only framework I have is the is the opposite of how of Paul's situation where I'm like, well, this guy was willing to serve his time in prison and go through that scenario under the circumstances in which he was like, well, I'm not gonna like. Like, I will go to the prison because what I'm doing, like, I realize that before God, this is what he wants me to do, but I realize I'm breaking the laws of the land. But these aren't, like, right. you know, all the other crimes he's talking about. Whereas this is, a, like, literally the polar opposite. You know, like, hey, I did this thing. I think it's a crime. Um, well, I don't, I, I don't I, know. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just going off the first article I read. If, if what I read was whatever, 75% true. I mean, if she's eight... It, even if she's 18, even if she's over age, you know, it's like, okay, then we're looking at allegations. We're looking at behavior stuff. If she's under age, right. then, then it's like, okay, we're talking about stuff that's just pretty much on paper. Like, this is like, right. you can't do this. Yeah. So, um, I just, 
I, that's to me, that's kind of, that's more of my issue with it. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> Paul seemed to go through a lot worse for not doing, <laughs> well, he killed a lot of Christians. So I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe you just like, yeah. maybe it was a late kind of justice. He's like, you know what? Maybe I need, I do need to spend some time here. I've, I've killed a but, bunch of brothers. <laughs> right. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Uh, I, mean, I know Paul carried that later into his life. He refers to himself as the chief of sinners. And yeah. Talks yeah. about how he's least of the apostles and, those right. sorts of things. And he references what he was before he yeah. became a, a Jesus right. follower. So I don't know. The big the big issue for me is how does the church um, create space for um, these sorts of issues? Now, now, because you can either, you can go like hardcore one of two ways. One way is that you discipline everything. And we've mm-hmm. seen some abuses, like a lot of abuses that way, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I've, you know, heard of and had first hand knowledge of stuff that, you know, is really heavy handed, legalistic, not, not forgiveness, not reconciliation, not restoration. It's like, yeah, you're done and does not appreciate this huge thread of restoration and forgiveness in the scriptures. But then you've got, you know, on the other side, you, you've got this incredibly um, lackadaisical, you know, hey, we're all in process. We're all, you know, we're all sinners. And, and, and that's true. Uh, but yet, you know, if we're really going to be the counter, counter uh, public, to use Muehlhoff's words, if we're gonna, really going to be a counter narrative to the world, there has to be a sense that, our, our, that, that we, we give permission um, for people to unveil the messiness of their lives, but there's also the invitation and the help uh, towards transformation too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so how do you create a space where women who've been silenced um, can 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 now speak and have authority? And so part of what we've been you know trying to do in a very small way has just been to say, well, we need women in leadership. Because I would guess that had women been in leadership, uh, and maybe they are, maybe I'm totally wrong, I don't know. But my guess is if, if women had been in leadership that first time, mm-hmm. uh, when this was originally yeah. confessed, it would have been handled differently. Right. Um, or if women maybe. were in leadership now, well, yeah, I mean, well, I'm guessing. But yeah. I would suspect... Um, <laughs> that there would have been a, a bit more, um, I don't know, urgency or um, taking this, taking the crime part more seriously, whatever. And again, I mean, I hate doing this because we're totally speculating on stuff we have no knowledge about. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to use it as a as a talking point to say, hey, there, here, here's a real person that's been hurt. Here's a church that has embraced the pastor in his confession. The 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 media gets wind of it. And it's now a, hey, church, you know, cheers for a guy who's confessing sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I mean, it's so tricky. And that's why I'm just so, like, nuancy um, about it, because I don't know anything. And, and, I, and, and my opinions of it would change with all sorts of new information, right? I mean... Yeah, of course. Um, but, well, but, but, if, I, but if we took the black, but if, I guess I'm saying if we took the if we took the black and white, if we're still speaking hypotheticals, I mean, and maybe you said this early on, is that, you know, if this is brought to our attention now, let's say it's like, hey, 20 years ago, I you know I committed 
you know, what at that time would be considered a crime. I worked for this church. I was a youth pastor. You know, basically I had an inappropriate relationship. And furthermore, you know, this is the circumstance that happened. Let, let's just say that, like, this account is actually all true. You know, the what does the, what does the church do? I mean, it's like, okay, you, you caused a crime. I mean, because to me it's like there's these – these two things that play out spiritually speaking. Okay. We can relationally community wise, we can talk about reconciliation. We can talk about forgiveness. We can talk about the way in which sin is held and how the community handles that is, is in our further relationship beyond the crime. But simultaneously, is it like, was it, and is it inappropriate for church leadership to protect this circumstance under this veil of, well, you know, we're people of right. peace, so we practice right, forgiveness. Right. Versus, bro, you you dude, you gotta go to the police and you gotta confess this. Like it's right. just like you you committed or a we crime. Will. Or, or we, we will. will. Right. It's like you committed a crime. Like it's it, it has to be like even now, I'm coming to you saying twenty years later this happened. Okay, it, so I just got this is real time. Oh yeah. Andy Bear. Uh the pastor is evidently being interviewed by a friend on on radio. Okay. Now again, I don't know if this is true, but but this person is tweeting that what the pastor is saying in, during the interview is that that he and this young lady were that the young lady was flirting with him, and they began heavy petting. And if you don't know that word, then you did not <laughs> grow up in the church. <laughs> heavy petting is not just something that happens in zoos. Yeah. Um. Uh. And and so so. I, that's all it said was, you know, it, but the, the mess is though that it's like, if she's under age, that's all that matters. If the, if the law of that state suggests that if she's under age and even that's the case. Well, yeah, can, I don't know. I know. I'm just saying like 17 if, hypothetically, if that's the situation, the consensual, the consensual thing, I mean, that, that's statutory rape, you know I mean? That's, right. that's, you know, that's like what, that's how that, that's how that turns out. So it's, you know, it's like, because here's what's going to happen is that the mud of all of this, because like now we're talking about, okay, let's start responding more in this media kind of backlash, mass backlash kind of way. Well, we can kind of nuance right. how things are said. I mean, come on, how, how much have we seen this in politics? I mean, like, oh, let's locker talk. Like, I mean, we, see, we immediately dismiss the black and white of kind of what's on paper. Like no one's talking about like, um, okay, she's just, bro, she's just underage. Like, regardless of if she initiated, if you're the adult, you're 20 years old and she's 17, you're supposed to be the wiser. That's just right. how this goes. Like, right. you shouldn't have gone there, you know? Right. And so. And let's say, and let's say they were, uh, that she was flirting and whatever else. Right. That still doesn't justify uh, assaulting her, forcing right. her to do something that she didn't want to do. Right. But anyway, I mean, I, yeah. I was just, I was just. I was my mind was blown as you're talking about this, and I'm I pick up Twitter uh, just to see if anything had happened, and boom, he's on the radio. But right. I, and again, man, I bless this guy. I I I um <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know why I said bless this guy. I don't. I I <laughs> want the truth to come out. You know, yeah. blah blah blah. Right. But but it but it it raises this big issue of how we handle this stuff in the church, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, the, the way to hide it isn't more, or the way to deal with it isn't more hiding. No way. It can't be. It's almost like we have to lead, be the leaders in dealing with this seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that grace abounds in hiddenness. I, I mean, that's something I, right, maybe we right, could talk right. about. That's like true. it's kind that's of, true. Oh, that's it, very good. That's you know, very that, good. That's just it. It's like, okay, if, if this is, cause when it first happened, 
if if it wasn't a big if it was something that like couldn't be criminal in the first place i i don't know i mean obviously that, that shapes the story because if it's not criminal yeah. then okay yeah, then bury exactly. the thing whatever exactly and that's and that's why i was distinguishing between a crime and a sin yeah i know and so maybe that's the thing that's going to get investigated but it's hard i mean yeah of course like yeah 20 years later you know you lose you what, what is it like godless gives us crap for this all the time like you lose the verifiability of a witness you know the longer right, time right. that goes on the, the unlikelihood you can remember it as well and so it's just like dang it you know and um ah that sucks right. that just sucks and if, and, and, and if he if he is saying in any way shape or form that she contributed to this right I mean, then you're like, oh my goodness, you know. Now, I, I love, I love. I don't remember who tweeted this, but somebody, somebody said the church must lead the way in cleaning house over sexual abuse. We dishonor God if we expect those outside the church to be held responsible for their sinful criminal behavior and applaud those guilty of the same actions in the church. Mm. Um, yep, and yep. and see, so I would say. Just one final thought. I think this will take up our whole time. Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, and I, I, yeah. Um, and, and I would say this. I think there are, there is biblical precedent for people who have sinned to to be um, back brought back into leadership. Yeah. There are some who say that you know if you sin in certain, and now that's not true for every sin. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but after a period of, you know, um, examination and, uh, um, therapy and whatever, by a, a council of really wise people, mm. um, I think, I think it absolutely should be the case that, um, that people can be restored to ministry. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, because if you, if you don't allow for that possibility, then pastors will never be honest. Yeah, I think it, to me it is the how over the what. You know, I sure. mean, this well, is we like get, we can have a how conversation, but I'm just saying. Yeah. But for for a crime, uh, I think there should be like that should the the thing ought to click up like three or four levels. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I so, mean, but say a convict. Okay, let's say a convict who was actually admitted of their crime. You know, and they uh, spent 20 years in jail, and then they I've came had out. This, I've had this happen. Okay. Where where people who've been convicted of crimes come to a church, and um, and 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 you know they're asking to be a part of the community, right? And so wisdom means that you place appropriate boundaries, and you you know if uh, the, there are some things you'd never allow. You know, if somebody's a convicted child molester, you never let them work in children's ministry, right? right? Of I mean, you obviously, right? Um, uh, if somebody was dealing drugs, um, you know, or embezzled money, I mean, you don't trust them with the offering, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. like, right. kind of like those sorts of things, but, but the church has to be a place where reformation happens. So, so I, I do think, cause I've been reading some articles of people just saying, listen, now somebody like this can never be restored to ministry. Well, if it's, if it's a sin, um, uh, then I think there's restoration that's possible. If it's a crime, then it depends. Uh, yeah. But I think the I think the the level of confidence it clicks up a ton 
um, that you have to have for someone convicted of a crime to be placed in leadership. I mean, it should be years before, you know, they're trusted. They don't just wait a year, say they're sorry, and then go down the road and start another church. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but but we see that happening, right? We see we see we see big name church leaders brought under discipline, and they just say, ah, I'm a, screw it. Um, even though they're fired, they'll start their own ministries over, and boom. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think there's there's a a sense in which, um, it, it, and again, it's so nuanced that it's tough to you know tough to really say for sure that of course it's a how conversation. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's all how you would restore somebody, how, what sort of repentance they would have to demonstrate. I mean, blah, 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 blah. No question about it. But at the same time, you take an instance where if, if sexual assault really happened and it was not taken seriously by that first church, then it has to be taken seriously by the second one. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Yeah, for you sure. You know? And... um you know, and I don't know if I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know the details. They they know far more than I do in terms of what what's happened. Um, but I would certainly be on the horn with this young lady, trying to get them both in a room, going, "What the heck?" Um, and maybe right. that's not the best. Maybe that's not the best for her. I don't I don't even know. I mean, I said that very flippantly, but sure. Um, I, I would certainly want her to speak with the same amount of. Um, uh, I, I was going to say uh, publicity, but I mean the same amount of like publicness well, as but here's, he had a chance to. But what's interesting is like even then, I don't know that she's even given a fair voice. I mean, come on. We have the social media. You know, her speaking out has actually created – she has the largest platform over this guy attending his church. His church right. is a blip on the map compared to how many people this has come to. The problem is that – it's it's everything we've talked about. How we can't because the details are so gray. Because it's twenty years later. Even when you you know um, uh, cross examine a witness that's been you know removed from it for that period of time. There's so much. There's only so much information that holds up. Right. And so it's it the sad and tragic part about this is even if this is taken to the farthest stretches of court, where we're dealing with gray information. It's all it's hearsay at this point almost. You know, and that's that to me is what's tragic about it. But it's it's she has, um, even if she's given a voice now, everyone's a troll at the same time. It's not like given voice to the spaces in which it actually can accomplish the proper justice it needs to. I mean, even if the church right. put her on the stage, who who's got you know who's got the advantage there? He's going to come right. up after her and still no, confess and all this, and the audience is going to be like, "Yeah, see, our pastor knows how to how to be vulnerable and how to confess and all this stuff," and and she's still going to look like, you know, tiny. You know, that's that that yeah. to me is where I'm sitting in all this. I'm just like, time is the biggest enemy on this thing, you know, yeah. and it, yeah. and it, it only it only makes it worse. Um, <laughs> You know, when when there's this audience, you know, this other niche audience that responds a certain way to now, if this guy, because it's different, if if the pastor had actually kind of just inter- immediately interacted with her on Twitter and then ignored his church and just and actually confronted her on the same platform she did. Right. Well, OK, let's let's now look at the responses in which then it's in the same platform. But for this guy just to go into his even even if he was saying, oh, well, our church is, you know, 10,000 people. It's like, yeah, well, we're talking at this point now There's millions of people. This this has reached, you right. know, that's that's still yeah. peanuts in comparison. So yeah. um, I know that's I mean, all of this, unfortunately, is just it's just commentary. I mean, it's got to be 
It's just the hypothetical realities of if if the action, if the details are the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario is that everything this girl is saying is true. Right. right? Then what do you do? You know, because the sad the thing that bums me out is that the likelihood that that story is true for many other women out there is probably a pretty stark possibility. Right. And that's and that's the part that I grieve the most, you know, is that it's like, yes, the the church, both not both denominational and non-denominational has a history and a record of definitely protecting certain things in which never reach the criminal public. And so, you know, I mean, come on, let's talk, you know, talk about, you know, the Boston, you know, Catholic church exposure, you know, back in the, you know, in the nineties, you know, it's just like, dude, we're at that point, we're talking like tens of thousands of people that were involved. So it's just, you know, that's, that's the sad story is that story carries on. And now it's, now this is just what we're staring at. So it's, I think your point is good of like if a woman was in power at that time, that situation might have looked a lot different, even if even if the worst case scenario was true. Right. You know, and even if it wasn't, um, that would that situation would still look a lot different. And we did in like now you'd be able to at least call up a witness now of a woman who's involved and say, here, you know, here's actually how it happened. I was unbiased and subjective to it and objective no. to it. But we don't have it. <sighs> well, Andy, I'm excited to talk about other things at sure. some point. Yep. But, you know, man, it, this is just heartbreaking in so many ways. It really is. Um, it is. And 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 you know, there's so much good happening through the Me Too stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the light being shown in dark places. I mean, um, you can't help but applaud uh, you cannot but applaud that stuff. I mean, you just are like, man, you see, well, how did you describe it? The seed, this is the, this is the fruit bearing of seeds of just marginalizing women for, you know, decades. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, so there's, you know, there's a sense in which this is beautiful and, um, another sense where I just grieve, um, the, the the harm done and the culture that's been created in the church in some in some places obviously not all right but in some places where you know um, this this is put up with this mm-hmm. is tolerated this is um, you know women are silenced if they're going to criticize a pastor so right I just right. Uh, I just am sad by it so yep. my brothers and sisters may us may may us have <laughs> may a happy we... Monday after this conversation seriously. <laughs> May we still be purveyors uh, of hope. May I mean, because I think of it this way. We believe in grace, so we're never surprised. Mm-hmm. Right? But we, we also believe in, in redemption, so we never give up hope. Right. Right? We believe in restoration. We believe in renewal. And so we have to be a people who are the most realistic about human nature, but also at the same time, the most optimistic about what God can do with people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's a tough, that's a tough line. That is a tough line to walk. So brothers and sisters, you know, please don't hold us, um, (laughs) please don't hold us super accountable for clarity of thought on this. Um, you know, this is just more of us reacting in time to something we've read a little bit about. Right. Um, we're not trying to take, take sides. We want to talk about the bigger issue this raises. Yeah. Yep. You know, what were you going to say, buddy? Um, yeah, I was just going to say that it's, yeah, it's definitely just a response vaguely to the amount of vague details we have. I mean, there's, there's enough to show that there's, you know, something worth responding to, but yeah, yeah, sure. You're right. I mean, without, 
you know, you're looking at multiple articles with multiple agendas and trying to figure out what, what's the truth, you know, where's the details, who's telling the truth. And, um, but at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know, unfortunately, I wish I wish so badly this was the first time that we'd heard something like this, right? Right. But the sad thing is, is how many cases have there been where this has happened? And the truth was, it really did happen. So it, it, it still asks the question, we still constantly need to wonder, what do we do as church leaders, as churches, when this stuff happens? What is yeah. the most appropriate response? How do we honor what's supposed to be honored? Um, and, you know, actually walk this out the way that, you know, God would want us to walk us out and what he would think is appropriate. That question is still valid, you know, so it's, it's a worthy conversation. Yep. So. All right. Well, brothers and sisters, hallelujah. (laughs) Come Lord Jesus quickly. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and may he give you peace in these crazy days. Till next time, my friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast. And now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash voxpodcast.